Welcome in to the newest edition of Caught Stealing here at FantasyAlarm.com. I'm Colby Conway at Colby R. Conway over on X. And with me here on this fabulous Monday, Matt Sells at The Sellsman. Matt, how is everything going for you? And I know this is a fantasy baseball podcast, but first Sunday we just had without any football. Yeah, you know, and I was hoping to replace it with the Super Bowl of NASCAR in the Daytona 500, but that doesn't get run until later today. We're recording this Monday morning, scheduled now to be run later today. So I had a free Sunday for once in a while. It was kind of nice. I took a nap, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, nothing else going on. Let's just chill. Um, But yeah, now we're back at it. We've got spring training in basically full effect at this point. Uh, we're three days away from the first spring training game, which is on mm-hmm. Thursday. Got that email about renewing my MLB.tv subscription. So yep. feeling good, man. We're in full swing here. Yep. Pitchers and catchers have already reported. It, that's kind of the thing. You get to Valentine's Day because you know pitchers and catchers are reporting. A couple of days after we get our renewal subscription for MLB TV. Season's right around the corner. That's ultimately what that means. And of you course, what? Matt- they should send that email on Valentine's Day as a love present mm. to to baseball fans right like here's a little gift here's a valentine's promo so you can renew it at a cheaper rate okay that's what i was going to say because i'm starting to go off of like you're saying this and i'm like how is it a valentine's day gift to me when you're telling me that i'm going to pay you soon full price well you know get excited like you get baseball coverage on tv because we know you can't watch it on regular cable anymore so, I mean, for the people in Iowa, right? Like, I live next door to Cupid for 10% off. Yeah. Arrow for 10% off. Like, there's so many different things they could do. But I don't know about you. I didn't get any promo code for mine. I mine did not get a promo code, but they did tell me that minor league baseball is, a, is included. So, yep. that's thank you. That's lovely. I get to watch all of the minor league games I want to watch. There we go. And of course, as always, Every time we record, it seems like there's some signing that occurs. And this week we had a couple. We want to break them down quick. And then we're going to get into a fun little segment of fact or fiction where I'm, I was scouring the the timeline on X for fun news tidbits. Because we've been talking about it all uh, offseason here leading up into spring training. What really matters? Does it really matter? You know, certain headlines like that. So we're going to get into that. But first, Matt, we've kind of – I don't want to say we've poo-pooed the Giants here so far – leading up to the season, but we've not more, been impressive. We've had more questions yes. about what they're doing than answers. Um, I will not bury the lead here. I really like the Jorge Soler signing power or right-handed power back right in the middle of that lineup figures to probably DH more often than not, maybe a spare appearance in the outfield here and there. But uh, like I said, I'm not burying the lead. I love the Soler signing money wise. It's fine. It's the going rate for a power hitter. And honestly, no stadium's going to contain his power. So I'm not worried about his power output in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, excuse me on that one. I, I agree. I've seen some takes that are like, oh, I just wish it was a better park. The dude put up 48 homers in Kaufman and then had back-to-back 30 homer seasons at Marlins Park. Like, <laughs> we're past caring about the power, right? If Barry Bonds put up 73 homers, in in Pac Bell at the time, uh, same stadium, different name. I'm not that concerned. Power hitters are going to power hit, and you got to like the division, to be honest. Like, yes, his home park, not great. San Diego is a pretty fair park, right? Arizona's not that pitcher-friendly, to be honest. 
Dodger Stadium and Coors are two of the most hitter-friendly stadiums in the league. So I like this move. It solidifies the middle of that uh, order, and I'm not concerned about the power at all. The only downside is we'll get to this later when we do the NLS, uh, NL West preview. I wanted him on my team, but his ADP was too high to admit that. So, you know, that that's the only downside. He's going about 150 in ADP since Jan 1. And I would expect it to probably stay about there because you've got half the people who are like me who don't care about the power. And we've got half the people who do who do care about the power and are concerned. And so they'll kind of even each other out, I would assume. Put Solaire in the middle of the or the heart of the order there for San Fran and some on base machines in front of him, or at least one of which we expect to be coming over from overseas. We'll talk about him a little bit later, but I like Solaire. I mean, I wrote about it over in the free agent tracker we got here at fantasyalarm.com, which is part of the MLB draft guide. So make sure you get your hands on that. But I mean, Matt, here's what I said as long as he stays healthy, do you are you in agreement with me that he's a basically a near lock for 30 home runs this year? I would assume so. Again, he hit 48 in Kaufman very quietly, to be honest. And then he had, what, back-to-back 30 homer seasons in Miami? Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm not concerned. And you look at his max exit velocity last year, top 6% of the league. Year before that, top 1%, top 1%, top 6%. It doesn't matter. He just hits this guy. bombs. Yep. Yeah. Yep, he will be just fine out west there for the Giants. And then, honestly, another good move. You know, we've had a lot of moves where you and I scratch our heads or there's something we don't necessarily like about it. The two I picked here for today, I like both of them. Red Sox getting Liam Hendricks. There have been some rumors this offseason that maybe they were going to look to deal Kenley Jansen and so forth. But Red Sox getting Liam Hendricks, pretty good move if you ask me. Pretty good move. I mean, there's always the question about his health. If he's fully healthy, um, you know, if he's, you know, back up to speed, obviously he had some concerns about this, um, you know, last year coming back from the cancer diagnosis and then he didn't quite uh, last the full season. But if he's healthy, I don't think he takes over the closer role, but he certainly adds depth and chances that you don't have to keep running Kenley out there all the time, right? Like could easily see him getting a bunch of holds and then a handful of saves. I don't think he takes over the closer role immediately. Do you, I mean, it's two year, $10 million deal. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that that's enough money to say he's the guaranteed closer. I think it gives him flexibility. It adds another legit, weapon in the back end and it's one of those things where let's say hmm, the Yankees fans will like this one if Boston comes out slow Hendricks comes out hot if Jansen's going to net them a decent package Boston feels good about another ninth inning option at the very least it's like you said it gives them flexibility it gives them versatility maybe they end up wanting to move Hendricks if you know, things go well there, or you deal Jansen, you get a nice little return, and you have arguably another one of the game's best ninth inning guys when healthy and right. 100% to slide right in there. Not many teams can say that, to be honest. Right. I also think this bolsters the, because there are questions about their starting rotation and just how deep most of those guys can go, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can say, well, all we need is five innings from our starters, we don't need them to go six because we have Hendricks, Jansen, eighth, ninth. Then you can plug in your myriad of middle relievers, six, seven. It gives you options to 
to weave through, right? So I, th- I think it's just a depth piece at this point. Is he intriguing in that role? Yeah, because Boston, I think, is going to be in a lot of close games this year. Um, and he's assuredly going at a cheaper cost than Kenley Jansen is. So, yeah, you know, you can take a value, a, a value shot there for holds and saves. Fast forward. Let's say fast forward to the trade deadline. You know, we're essentially halfway through the season, if not a little bit past it. Let's say Hendricks is Hendricks has returned to that dominant 2021, 2022 form. Maybe Boston moves on from Jansen, even if they don't. Could we take a look back and be like, Hendricks was the best production for dollar spent of potentially any free agent signing? Of course, I know there's Otani and there's all the big guys, but uh, aside from that like top tier of free agents, could we be looking back and say Hendricks was one of the best signings of the offseason? Perhaps. I mean, there's a lot riding on it, right? Because you're talking about what do they get in a trade for him if they trade him, if they move Jansen, if they hold on to him. Yep. Are we taking Otani off of the $2 million that they're actually paying him or the, you know, 50 True. mil AAV or whatever it is, right? Um, but, yeah, look, I'm obviously wearing a Yankee shirt right now, but baseball is better when Liam Hendricks is healthy, so hopefully he can stay healthy and, you know, all of this stuff the last two years has passed them. Absolutely. And then the one other signing that we had, of course, uh, the Brewers bring back Brandon Woodruff, eyes on the prize for 2025. He's pretty much almost assuredly guaranteed to not pitch in 2024. He'll be basically pitching another contract year in 2025, see if he can return to that ace-like form, and then maybe cash in after that offseason. But there's going to be a lot of questions about that right shoulder of his. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting move by... Milwaukee, a team that's already needing starters, signed one, but not for this year, right? They've yep. signed one for next year. So in 2025, they have an ace. Woohoo! Maybe. I don't know. Is he going to be all the way up to a full innings load? Uh, hard to envision that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, nice move for the future, I guess. He was out there. He's an ace. He's a homegrown guy. You can say you've re-signed homegrown talent. Yep. Um but it doesn't mitigate the question marks we have about their entire roster right now. So we'll see. The only question I really have about the Brewers when it comes to a lot of things, is like I know the players that they have and the talent, it's just who gets traded next. That's my question when it comes to the Brewers. Who's next? Are they the, are they the A's of the NL? More successful? Yeah. I mean, I think A's are kind of in their own little stratosphere. Well, okay, but early 2000s A's were really quite successful and they kept mm-hmm. shipping pieces. Yeah. Right, but... Interesting comparison. Yeah, current A's, no. I like it. Worst ownership group in all of sports. Yep. As Jeff Passan, like, maniacally laughed on ESPN when talking about <laughs> what yeah. the A's are doing. If people haven't seen that clip, it's well worth the, the what, minute and 15 second watch. It's amazing. Just 75 seconds. That's all. That's all it is. But Matt, I want to get into this. I was really excited to get to this segment because I want to hear you break down some of these things. So factor fiction with some early spring headlines. And I know y'all listening can't see the show sheet that I have right over here. But Matt doesn't even know what the questions I'm posing with these guys are. So these are raw, instant reactions with no preparation. And this is not me just saying it. And we did talk about it beforehand. You can trust me. These questions, Matt has no clue. They're not here. So what you get 
is instant reaction from Matt Sells at the salesman over on X for fact or fiction regarding some early spring headlines. So Matt, while I was combing through the timeline over on X, the report and the word, I should say the verbiage that was used for uh, Yamamoto's first live BP session was electric. That was the terminology that was used. Over on NFBC, since January 1st, Yamamoto is the 12th starter off the board without even pitching one inning in the major leagues. So, Matt, based off one live BP session, is Yamamoto a top seven starter for fantasy baseball in 2024? Fiction. Top seven Ooh. starter? Top seven. That's where I put the number. So you're guaranteeing me he's an SP1? In this hypothetical, I sure am. But I'm, I'm just the one. Hey, I'm just asking questions. I'm going fiction. Yes, the live BP was impressive watching the fastball, then the curveball, and then watching the tunnel view. Okay. He's an elite pitcher. We all expected that. Is he, like, on the level of proven Cy Young winners right now? No. Is he probably better than Kodai Sango when he came over? Yes. Is he going to have immediate success? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a lot of the Dodger price tag boosting him up. I don't think he's a top seven. I think he could. Could he be a back-end SP1? Yeah, but then you're talking about, like, starting pitcher 12 or starter pitcher 15 if you're in deep leagues. Is he a high-end SP2? Yes, that much is true. Is he a top seven starter? No. Okay, secondary factor fiction question. Do you know the pitcher going right in front of Yamamoto? Speaking of Dodgers. I don't. So, right in front of Yamamoto is Tyler Glass now. So, factor fiction. Matt Sells is on the board in a draft. You desperately need a pitcher. These two are on the board. Factor fiction, Matt Sells would take Yamamoto over Tyler Glass now. I mean, for health, yes, but like that's the only mitigating factor here, right? Do yeah. I think both of those guys are going too high? Yes. Mm -hmm. Tyler Glasnow hasn't pitched more than 120 innings in whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm very concerned about how well that arm holds up. The fact that they've already announced they have to go to a six-man rotation to keep people healthy is a problem. Um, also tells me that you're getting – a couple fewer starts from guys like Yamamoto, Yamamoto and Glass now, and you know Bueller when mm -hmm. or if he's healthy. Um, I mean, I would take Yamamoto. I'm not against Yamamoto. Glass now is too high. I just think they're both too high right now. Is the problem? Fair enough. Well, let's go to another pitcher and see if you maybe we get a fact here in terms of this one. Let's go over to Cincy with Hunter Green. It's reported that he's working on a curveball and a splitter to add to his pitch mix, which is already predominantly Fast. really made up of two pitches. Yes. And really, it's well, his slider's pretty good. Fastball slider, he mixes in a changeup, but even last year, as I'm looking at it here over on Baseball Savant, changeup through at 5% of the time resulted in a 304 batting average against and only a 24% whiff rate. But fastball, elite, slider, elite. So, Hunter Green's going to work on a curve and a splitter to try to get him, maybe let's call it an average third pitch to mix into his repertoire. We look at the past two years, 
Hunter Henry or Hunter Henry. Jeez. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the Texans and tight ends right now. That's where my brain is at with certain things, but 164 strikeouts back in 2022, 152 strikeouts in 2023, uh, career high of 125 and two thirds back in 2022 fact or fiction Hunter green gets to 180 strikeouts in 2024. So I was going to say 200. I'm glad I said 180 because now I think I really got you going with it. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say fact. Mm. I'm going to say he gets there. You know, we've seen a lot more swing and miss in the last few years. If he adds a third pitch that's actually serviceable, then you keep people off of, you know, could you imagine having to face a 102 mile an hour fastball and then he drops a splitter or a curve from the same arm slot and then your knees just buckle? And your bat just falls, you get called for a strike, even though you didn't swing, you just fell over. Right. Um, I'm gonna say, yeah, he I'm gonna say fact. He gets to 180 strikeouts. I really like Hunter Green this year. Need need some help from him. I almost would his changeup was just erratic last year. You look at the pitch map over here, and I mean it's kind of all over the place. And honestly, with how good his first two pitches is, he just needs the third to be average. Right. All we're asking for is an average third option. Preferably, I would love the splitter. Because if he can get something else in there that can generate ground balls. Correct. Especially a great American ballpark. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So I agree. Maybe you can take some cues from Frankie Montas. Yes. Maybe they can learn off, off one another. And I don't know, you know, because I, I talked about with Montas that I think there's more, there's more meat left on the bone in the strikeouts department. Hunter Green's at no shortage of that. And maybe, whoa, that's an alert. That must be my alert to talk about Frankie Montas every episode on Mondays. Because <laughs> I've done it for two or three weeks in a row now. Um but, yeah, so I, I really like Hunter Green, one of my favorite pitchers to grab this season. Another one of my favorite guys here, Byron Buxton. It sounds like the knee is in a better place than it's been. I saw I saw is it a still post. in the knee socket, or did it move up his oh, leg? Like, what, like what better place? It's one of those things with Buxton. Is, is the pain actually gone, or has it just been, like, dispersed somewhere else? Because who knows if pain can actually leave um, leave his body. But when it comes maybe to Buxton. Maybe it goes to his tooth that caused him to miss games. That was the, that was the chef's fault. I'm still holding firm on that. Okay. That was a great player debate from a couple of years back <laughs> where Bender where Bender was trying to poo-poo him, and I said it was the, the chef had it out for him, and that's why Buxton ended up missing time. That was a great segment. Um, but anyway, Byron Buxton, it seems like he's going to be healthy coming into 2024. I saw a post. I, I couldn't find it this morning, but something about like he felt like there was like a knife was basically like stabbing him in the knee all the time, and it seems like that's been away. So, Matt, I'm going to ask you. The last time Buxton played in more than 100 games was back in 2017. Since then, 87 in 2019, 92 in 2022, 85 in 2023. So I think you know what my question is going to be. Does Byron Buxton play in 100 games, 100 or more games in 2024? This is like my, my heart wants him on the field because he's electric mm -hmm. when he's on the field. My brain goes, there's no way. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put him in getting to 101 games in, okay. <laughs> in 2024. Um, no, I, I, like in all honesty, I really do hope he's healthy. Mm -hmm. He has said this before though, and it's been the same result. So again, draft him very, very carefully. Like you had better have a good replacement because you're only getting at best, even if he plays a hundred games, which is what our benchmark is. There's still only two-thirds of a season, basically. Um, 108 is technically two-thirds of a season. So 
you better have a guy who can get you some counting stats and a healthy slash line in the other third of a season you're not going to have Byron Buxton. The batting average has really tanked the last two years, too, for him. That's something. Well, apparently his knee hasn't functioned, and it's hard to hit when your knee doesn't turn well. I I would only imagine so. And then the last one I got here for you from early spring headlines. It seems like Atlanta is going to give Jared Klenick every opportunity to be an everyday outfielder for them. Now, he's still going to hit in the bottom third of the order, but for a team as good as Atlanta, you may lose some at-bats, but when he gets on base, think who's coming up after him or shortly thereafter. So that trade-off, I will take that. So we look at Jarrett Klenick last year, 253 average, 327 OVP, 11 home runs, and 13 stolen bases. So for the 2024 season, Matt, Braves are going to give Klenick every opportunity to be an everyday player. Fact or fiction, Klenick hits 15 home runs and steals 15 bases for the Braves in 2024. Fact or fiction? I would say fact. Ooh, okay. Look, I... I took him in our NL East preview. I'm pretty sure he's on my my team for guys that were drafting uh, by position if value in the NL West. Um, and I think if he gets enough playing time, uh, and look, who are they putting in over him in left field? You're not putting in Ozuna in left field. Mm-hmm. The defense from Kalenic alone is worth more than putting Ozuna in left field. Mm-hmm. And then who are you putting a DH if you're not playing Kalenic? Right. Because it's not really an impressive bat. Like the, the bench guys for Atlanta are good baseball players. They are there for defensive flexibility and whatnot, but they are guys that you slot in the seventh, eighth and ninth spots. Anyway, Kalenic is your best option you know, in terms of offense at that spot. So I think they give him as much run as possible. Yes. Was the strikeout rate still too high last year? Yeah, it was. But he still managed a 253 average, which I think most of us will take as a value uh, outfield guy. And I'm pretty sure his expected batting average was actually higher than 253, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was in the 260 range. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Kalenic can get to 15-15. Look, he has the skill set. It's buried somewhere in there. There's He was a top prospect for a reason. The guy has the skill set to do it. If he puts everything together, there's no reason why he can't do 15-15. And one thing to note with Kalenic, looking back at his numbers from last year, actually made some improvements against lefties. Actually, again, a third of the sample size compared to righties. I Correct. get it. A little higher batting average, higher OPS, higher slug. And, I mean, his 259 average and 459 slug against lefties is very serviceable, especially as a bottom third hitter in your own lineup. That's above league average in general. Like, And he's going to get pitches to hit. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's say he hits ninth. the resting spot of the Atlanta lineup. If he hits ninth, guess who's hitting first? Guess who you'd rather face? He's going to get pitches to hit. So I, mm-hmm. I like clinic as well. I would go fact on that if I was asking the question to myself, which I just did. So I am fact <laughs> as well with Kalenic. But Matt, we talked about the fantasy alarm, fantasy baseball draft guide. Make sure you get your hands on it. And if you become an all pro member, you get access to the discord and you can ask questions directly to Matt and I keepers, sleepers, busts, uh, drafting questions, anything like that. We got you. And we got a question this week. So some discourse from the discord. We got a question in there. Matt, 14-team head-to-head keeper league. 
You get to keep six players. Uh, this person is already keeping Acuna and has three years left on him. Slam dunk, no brainer. Yep. You're down to one. So you got five more to go. So of these remaining players, here are your options. We got to select five. Corbin Burns for one year. Jazz Chisholm for two. Joe Musgrove for two. And then all of these guys would be for three years. Tanner Bybee, Freddie Peralta, Royce Lewis, Bobby Miller, Jordan Walker, and catcher extraordinaire, William Contreras. So of those guys, let's kind of do it this way. They also asked to rank in order that you keep them. So of those options, are there any slam dunks? Absolute. That's a guy that I'm keeping. I have one. What's your one? Jordan Walker. Yes, that's my one too. Okay. I actually have another one. It's Bobby Miller. Uh, yes, that was my number two. I would I probably that. flip them, but we could put them one, two. It's, they're going to average to the same thing. So. About one A and one B. There you go. Okay. So we'll put Walker slash Miller at the top and then Miller slash Walker, depending how you end up looking at it from there. After that. I think it gets very interesting. I love William Contreras' bat. Do you keep a catcher? It's 14 teams. He is a kind of, he is important there. But I think if you're going to go with a bat from there, Royce Lewis is pretty intriguing. And it's for three years. He scares it is, me. It may be a complicated situation this year, but I think it clears itself up mm-hmm. going forward. And you're talking about multiple years. Um Let's do that. Let's go back. Joe Musgrove is probably the one I'm least interested in. Yeah, I just think, I mean, the, the numbers have been intriguing, but I just don't know what, I think San Diego has been doing a lot of stuff with smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I would, I would want that third year with Bybee. I'd rather have, I think the upside with Bybee is more than the upside with, well, I think you know what you have in Musgrove and Bybee was impressive last year and he's going to get better. Good division too. Yeah, that division's not getting <laughs> any more offensive in in the next year or two. So yeah, would um, you would you take Bybee over Freddie Peralta? Peralta's better for this year, but there's also some concerns with Peralta's, I'll say, erratic at times. Command and Milwaukee. I would take Bybee over Peralta. Okay, okay. So let's put. Would you do Bybee over Jazz then? I love Jazz's upside, but the injuries, I'm just... He's the Byron Buxton of the NL. Like I... Look, I had a chance to to extend Jazz Chisholm for a fourth year in my keeper league. It would have taken me, you know, passing up on a prospect to get a, you know, whatever. I would have had to extend him. I decided not to. He would have been on a $100 budget. It would have been 5 bucks for me, so it would have been worth it, but I just can't put up with the injuries. Yeah, and I'm like he's a 30-30 guy if he's on the field. If he's not, he's like a 15-15 guy. And I I yeah. So Chisholm's injuries knock him down a few pegs for me. I think I would look to Royce Lewis over Chisholm, but I would look to Jazz over William Contreras. Just with the catcher, I don't know. Like as good as Contreras is, I don't yeah, expect many catchers. If it's a one catcher league, keeping one catcher doesn't help you that much. If it was a two-catcher league, I guess let's give it this way. If it's a two-catcher league, I'm keeping William Contreras as one Correct. of the five. If it's Correct. a one-catcher league, I'm not. I'm less inclined because like I can 
I can use another, I can use one of those keeper spots and later on take like a Henry Davis or a Luis Campusano, someone that I think can catcher, catcher seven to catcher 12. There's not Correct. that big of a difference. Correct. You know, and you can stream that anyway. So I'm, I'm probably going to knock Contreras down a little bit from there. I don't, like I said, well, let's put Burns is very good for this year, but I mean, I, yeah, I, let's put Bybee as the, I guess, third guy. Yeah, because I'm playing a little bit of a longer game here. I think from here, honestly, as much as I think Burns is going to be a bust this year, but that's more because of his being the third pitcher off the board. Not right, but if there's fair. no, if you're keeping him, then the bust question is out. Correct. Correct. So I think actually Walker Miller, one and two, I probably put Bybee. I think I'm then going to go Corbin Burns. Yeah. Because like it's easier to acquire in the draft than arms. Yep. So we get rid of what four? We get rid of Burns. I think I'm gonna go Royce Lewis. Yeah, I'd be there with you. And then Chisholm. Then Jazz. Then Freddie Contreras. Oh yeah, depending on, and that could be something too. Like they might know their league a little better. Yeah, you know, and like maybe catchers aren't as maybe catchers are really kept, so that'll kind of give them the option there. So Jazz. Slash Contreras, and then I'm going to go Peralta, and then Musgrove. Correct. So Jazz, Lewis, Contreras. Okay, so that, that hits everything. So 1A and 1B, Jordan Walker, Bobby Miller. Then it's Bybee, and then Burns. So those are the four right away that we basically said those are the guys we're going with. Right. And You'll then know the your next teammates. group, I would, I would suggest for our uh, subscriber to select between Royce Lewis, Jazz Chisholm, and if catcher is important in your league, William Contreras. Oh, I forgot to put Royce Lewis in there. So Jazz. No, you put Royce. Oh, I did. Okay, good. Royce and then Jazz slash Contreras right there is your option for the fifth. And then Peralta is there. And then I think Musgrove's in a tier of his own at the bottom of these Correct. options. He just doesn't do it for me. Correct. So, so there we go. That's what we would do at this point in time. So um, thank you for putting the question there in the Discord. Happy to help. And if you want your questions answered, once again, head over to fantasyalarm.com and join All Pro. Get the draft guide and access to Matt Sells, myself, Howard Bender, and everyone else here in the Fantasy Alarm family, basically at your fingertips. So hope to see you in there. But Matt, as we're going to continue our divisional previews, we did the NL East. I won that vote on Twitter. I didn't want to mention the NL Central votes, but you crushed me in the NL Central. So we're at one-to-one based on the, the, the opinions of those who voted. So now we're going to head over to the NL West divisional preview slash challenge because it's kind of a challenge for us here but once again really quick catcher infielder outfielder starter reliever from the division no more than one player per team so you can't take in this case you can't take uh let's say Shohei Otani and Yamamoto because one they're both starters but also they're both on the Dodgers um only other rules players ADP since January 1st has to be outside the top 175 except for catcher anything goes there because for some divisions good luck with even making a lineup (laughs) <laughs> with the part of the catcher and then positional eligibility is indicated by the NFBC to begin the season. And we're going off standard ESPN scoring. So holds do get you some points, which you've now seen in the reliever category come up multiple times as Matt and I begin to build our team. So Matt, we are going to serpentine this like we have uh, you won the last Twitter vote or X vote, excuse me. So I'm going to let you go first behind the dish with your catcher from the NL West. Okay. Now, obviously there is one clear cut, top catcher in this division, right? He's one of the best catchers in baseball. I like to try to keep as close to the spirit of the 175 rule 
as possible and still get a quality guy. Um, so I'm going Gabby Moreno uh, from the Diamondbacks. He's going off at 148. This is, again, NFBC ADP since January 1st to uh, last night is when I was looking at it, so the 18th of February. Um, he's just a really good all-around catcher. The batting average isn't going to kill you. Power still coming. He's still young. There's a little bit of speed there that we saw him show off uh, throughout the season. And he plays like every day. Doesn't matter if he takes shots off his face. Doesn't matter if he gets hit with the bat. The dude is out there every day. So I'm going to lock it up with Gabby Moreno from the Diamondbacks for catcher. Well, I lost that last week. So it's time for me to make up some ground. So I'm going Will Smith. The Dodgers go. had some options and I'll at different positions. I'll talk. I'll mention some of the guys that. I did like from the Dodgers because believe it or not, Matt, there are Dodgers being drafted outside the top 175. They're not all going in the first round. There are there are some serviceable fantasy guys going outside the top 175 for catcher. Will or for just in general, Will Smith is not one of them. No, no, he is he's outside pick 75, but he is going a little further down than I thought he was going to. But yes, yeah, per January 1st, he's the fourth catcher off the board, and he's kind of the last of that. Probably second tier with him, Contreras, and Real Muto. But yeah. Will Smith is just as rock solid as they come behind the dish. You know, he's got 19-plus homers each of the last three years, hit at least 258, should flirt with 85 to 90 RBIs. Sure wouldn't be surprised if he set a career high there this year with all the talent in the in the Los Angeles lineup there. So I'm going with Will Smith. I know it's a little bit uh, cheap, but I lost last week, so I need to do what I can to make it up. Um, so that's what I'm doing there behind the dish. Let's go to infield, and I will. I'm actually really excited about this one, Matt. I'm not going to lie, because this team had a lot of options that I I really did like. But I'm going to Eugenio Suarez as my infielder there for the Diamondbacks. Played in all 162 games last season. The Diamondbacks got virtually nothing from third base last year. Correct. They got a little bit, but not a ton. Suarez is going to play every single day. It's a fine hitter's park, great division for offense. He's going to be just fine. And honestly, he's going to walk a ton, so he's going to be on base. That should help his runs. And I'm not really concerned about that power. If he can give me 25-plus homers, 80-plus RBIs, I'll be – or RBI, excuse me. I will be just fine with a Eugenio Suarez. And let me pull it up here, dating back to January 1st. A. Eugenio Suarez, 24th third baseman off the board, coming in at pick 271. Great value there at the hot corner for your fantasy teams. So that is my infielder. Let me go to my outfielder. The one I really wanted was James Outman from the Dodgers. I love James Outman, Matt. I, I can't hide it, but I needed Will Smith behind the dish because, yeah. again, I lost last week. <laughs> but I love James Outman. I'm just getting it out there. I, I, also, I did – I did consider putting him in multiple builds. Yes. Yep. And I I love him. I love Hunter Goodman. I'm trying to be the Hunter Goodman guy this year, but I went Colorado elsewhere, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But for me in the outfield, I'm going with Jung Ho Lee. He's a good value. He's hanging out there. He's going to lead off for the Giants. For At least they're going to give him the chance to hold that role. And we saw overseas, high contact. Loves to get on base. He should continue to do that here. There's going to be some adjustment and growing pains in the beginning, but his ADP of 251 since January 1st, he's too good of a value to pass up. And honestly, I needed a Giants player, and he was my favorite one of the positions I had left. So Young Ho Lee is my outfielder from the NL West. Where are 
you going, oh, I just jumped. I just skipped you totally because I was so excited to talk about outfield. So I'll go ahead with your infield and outfield. You're good. Um, so I'm I too will, excited about these two and James Outman, who I didn't even pick. So I will talk about a couple of guys who I'm pretty excited about. One, my infielder. Uh, we're knocking off a Rocky here. By the way, if you're doing this drill, the only one who's not available is Nolan Jones. Mm-hmm. He's the only guy going inside the top 100 for the Rockies. Uh, top 175, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar is the second Rocky coming off the board to pick 194 since January 1st. He has a very nice power-speed combo. He's their everyday shortstop. He gets to play in cores all the time. The Rockies have a pretty good history of developing good power-speed combos at shortstop. A couple of, you know, really well-known dudes who played there. Um, And 194, that's a pretty nice spot to go get a guy who could easily go 15-15, if not maybe 20-20 if everything falls right there and then for outfield we're going to harken back to last week when we talked about multi-positional guys i'm going to sneak an infielder in here because on nfbc gavin lux qualifies at second base and outfield even though he's going to be the dodger starting shortstop this year Mm -hmm. he qualifies at second and outfield so i'm going to use him to get a dodger at a value price of 264 yes i know he's coming off an injury it's an acl We've seen, you know, guys return fairly quickly from ACLs. He also tore it last spring training. Usually it only takes about six to seven months for guys to get back from an ACL on the field for baseball. He's had a year at this point. He's talked about how he feels good. He may hit towards the bottom of the Dodgers lineup. I don't care. It's the Dodgers lineup. The guy's going to get pitches to hit because of who's hitting behind him because it's like Mookie Betts is his protection. He'll get pitches to hit. He's going to steal some bags, um, and I can slot him a bunch of a bunch of spots right now. So I'm going Gavin Lux in the outfield. Um, I guess we'll go to you for starting pitcher, or you want me to take starting pitcher? No, I'll go ahead because this one scares the crap out of me, if I'm being honest, of <laughs> my picks. Actually, this doesn't scare me the most of mine. I'll get to my next one, but I'm going to go with you, Darvish. He's going outside the top 200. There's been some injury concerns the past couple of years that have cost him some time, but even last year, his expected ERA was under four, so he should have been a little bit better. I don't love that he's allowing more contact. His contact is going this way, and his strikeout rate is going down. this way, which is not the ideal combination that you want here. But honestly, at this point, he's outside of the top 200. I think health willing, he can give you back-end SP3-type numbers. And if the San Diego offense can maybe outperform expectations just a little bit, he should be just fine for wins because I actually do – kind of like their bullpen despite kind of it there's a lot of question marks with it but if it does all goes well, I figuring like out saves but i do well, like yeah. the depth. <laughs> yes the depth is very good who is the guy we want is going to be the other question correct but i like darvish so i'm going to go with you darvish i'm going to take a chance on him as my starter uh where are you going to go with on the mound so i had him in in a couple of my builds too when i saw that adp i was like i understand it but there's enough upside to make him intriguing there mm-hmm. uh i'm gonna go with another youngster i need a i need a giant uh at this point i'm going with kyle harrison who right now is slated to be the number two starter for the giants he got a taste of the majors last year yes i know we we railed on him last year because he was not efficient at triple a mm-hmm. okay pacific coast league is not a pitcher's league to be perfectly honest and if he cuts down on the walks 
there is a big time upside with Kyle Harrison. He is a strikeout lefty. Um, Giants have a history of pulling up dudes from the minors and then figuring it out and becoming really solid major league pitchers. So I will take Kyle Harrison. He's going at 273 since January 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, so all I really need him to be an SP3, maybe SP4 at that point, at the very most. I think he's perfectly fine with that. Um, and I will finish things off. I need a Padre. We just talked about the Padres bullpen. This yep. leads into my pick. Robert Suarez is my relief pitcher that I'm going with. He's going at 257. I get it. Um there are like four dudes capable of saving games in the back of that Padres bullpen, but right now it's Suarez who has the role. Um, so I have some concerns about Usako, name aside. Um, Yuki Matsui, I have some concerns about stature and how he'll hold up. So I'm going Robert Suarez to get me some saves, and if he gets swapped out, I'm still getting holds from him. <sighs> okay, I need a Rocky. And the yeah. only spot I have open as a relief pitcher. That that seems like poor planning, my <laughs> my friend. You know what's really funny, actually? The more I've done this, what would you consider to be the two best hitter parks in baseball? Coors and Great American? Yeah, Dodger Stadium is pretty close to in that category. But yeah, yeah. I would say put those Great three American at the top. Coors. <laughs> put those three at the top. I've now taken a pitcher from Colorado and a pitcher from Cincinnati when I had the choices. So you can say, I like to live on the edge here. I'm going with Justin Lawrence as my relief pitcher. You know I what? I recommended that guy like seven straight podcasts last year <laughs> for the waiver wire pickup. So I, I can't yeah. blame him. I'm not worried about the competition there. Daniel Bard's like 77 years old. I'm not worried about him. And I'm not and really worried dizzy, about Tyler he? Kinley. And doesn't, he have the, doesn't he have vertigo? Uh, whatever he has. It's not, he's not pitching in the ninth. No. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not concerned about him. And when you look last year, of course, Lawrence, bad record, converted just 11 of seven, 11 of 18, excuse me, save opportunities. But away from cores last year, sub one whip, one six two ERA. He's got a sweeper that was dominant last year with a whiff rate over 36%. Honestly, he's got to ride the sweeper, trust yep. the sinker to keep the ball on the ground. And I think his numbers at cores will improve and he'll remain dominant away from the game's best hitters park. So I think Lawrence is going to hold that job. It's going to scare the crap out of me. I'm not going to watch a lot, to be honest, because I I can't do it. But I'm going to take Justin Lawrence as my reliever, because why not take a Colorado pitcher when we can only select five players and you need fantasy points? So, of course, I take the the arm in Colorado. But why not? Right. You got to live on. You got to live on the edge a little bit, Matt. Yeah, I mean, the pitcher was not where I was looking for Rockies. I had some others in some builds. I had Brennan Doyle, who's basically a free outfielder at 527, who could be a 2020 guy in Coors. Yep. I mean, he was really quite good there last year. Nobody paid attention because it's the Rockies. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I, I had some interesting reliever picks, like Bruce Dark Ratterall, like in case Evan Phillips doesn't actually wind up closing all of the games for mm-hmm. the Dodgers. He's intriguing. Jordan Hicks was kind of a flyer for me in relief pitcher because he technically counts as reliever, but they're going to try him as a starter. But if it doesn't work, then they're going to move him back to the pen. So you get like a little bit of everything from Jordan Hicks. He's in, I mean, I'm not relying on him to be like the linchpin of my pitching staff, but <laughs> he's intriguing at 343. Some of the other guys that I had written down just to kind of close the loop on the NL West, uh, Hunter Goodman, Emmett Sheehan, uh, Luis Campesano. I like Flores too. Yep. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, 
I yes. really liked him if I was going with an Arizona starter. So this division, this division was fun. There was a lot of different ways you could go here. So that is the NL West challenge that Matt and I did. So just to recap, Matt sells uh, Gabriel Moreno, Ezekiel Tovar, Gavin Lux, Kyle Harris, and Robert Suarez. And I went with Will Smith, a Eugenio Suarez, Young Ho Lee, you Darvish, and Justin Lawrence. As you're listening to this, I will have the post on X out. So head over at Colby R. Conway over on X and vote. Who'd, whose team do you like better? And if you want to join the fun, we're going to track it. If you submit your five players, we're going to track it throughout the season and see who wins. You can respond to my post on X there. Or if you are a all pro subscriber here at Fantasy Alarm, you can drop it in the Discord right there and we will tally it up. If you're not a member of the Discord or all pro, join today. Head over to fantasyalarm.com, become an all pro member. At the very least, get your hands on the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide. Too much content in there to be missing out on the season, whether you're doing best ball, seasonal, dynasty keeper, we have you covered there. So those are your action items. And beyond that, follow me on X at Colby R. Conway. Give Matt Sells a follow at The Sellsman. And we will see you next week with the newest edition of Caught Stealing, where we will break down the American League East. We'll see you next week.